0: Hello, and welcome again to the Here and Now podcast from Federated Hermes. I'm Linda Dissel, Senior Equity Strategist, and today I'm joined via phone by Phil Orlando, Chief Equity Market Strategist, and R.J. Gallo, Senior Fixed Income Portfolio Manager. First, let's spend a few minutes on 2020. I know everyone wants to get through it and forget about it, but there were some great moments this year, too. So I want each of you to share what was the best thing and the worst thing to happen in the market this year. Phil, should we start with you?
1: Uh, delighted. Thank you, Linda. Um, I, I actually have two best things. And and the first is the pace, the speed of vaccine development. Ordinarily, it might take four or five years from from start to finish to get a vaccine approved by the FDA. In this case, uh, it's happened in nine months. This has been unprecedented in terms of speed. So you've got Pfizer, BioNTech's uh, drug has been approved by the FDA, Moderna's drug has been approved by the FDA, AstraZeneca and Oxford University's drug is is probably next. Um, and, and we're already starting to distribute them, both here and abroad. So that's phenomenal. The the second best thing was the speed of improvement in the labor market. Coming out of the deepest recession in history. Uh, the rate of unemployment, uh, I guess topped out at about, uh, 14 and a half, 15%. Um, the Federal Reserve thought that if everything broke right, maybe we could get to nine or 10% by the end of the year. Um, our forecast in Federated was a little more optimistic. We thought maybe we could get to seven or 8% by the end of the year. And as of November, we're already at 6.7%. So, the labor market has come back more much more quickly than than expected. the The worst thing that happened this year, in my opinion, was the complete lack of cooperation in Congress uh, from May through, I guess yesterday in terms of getting this phase four fiscal stimulus bill passed. Um, we got the ball rolling back in May. Uh, The Congress had proposed a $3.5 trillion package, and and it went nowhere, back and forth, through the elections. Now we we finally got a $900 billion deal passed, but the fact that that we had this congressional intransigence over that entire period of time, over the last couple of months, the claims data has backed up, uh, retail sales the last two months, sequentially hasn't been that great. Regional Fed indices have gone the other way, confidence has eased. So uh, I, I think the lack of cooperation in Congress is, hurt the economy here the last couple of months.
0: That Yeah, that's interesting, Phil, because unfortunately, of course, it happened during an election year, and we all know they don't get along so well. Anyway, I'm, I'm intrigued by your uh by your positive you're two of them. I think I think it's so uh all things tech are so great. Uh, both the biotech that you refer to and of course the technology that allows us that has allowed us to work from uh home so many of us and to even be allowing us to do this now. I was curious about your comment with regard to the labor market because as fast as it's come back, don't you think perhaps Phil though that it's coming back uh with less participation and maybe that second round of people to come back may have a tougher time in terms of getting a job, you know, permanent losses?
1: Well, you know, it's it's that so-called K-shaped recovery that, that we're able to do this call today because of technology. Uh, you know, our laptops, our iPhones, whatever. So folks that have experience, education, skills, we've, we've you know, thankfully been managing fine through this pandemic. But individuals on the other side of the, the, the boat um, didn't have education or as much education, lacking the skills, didn't have the experience, uh, you know, restaurants, retail stores, those things were shut down by order of, of, you know, state governors, they, they've been struggling. So in, in a lot of ways, uh, technology was a benefit to those of us that could avail ourselves of the technology, but there are other parts of the economy that, that, uh, you know, that really needed that congressional help because the, the you know, the laptops and the iPhones weren't going to be able to get them through this process.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, and thankfully we got that. How about we'll turn to you now, RJ? What do you think were the best and worst things to happen in your markets this year?
2: Well, um, you know, the, the, one of the best things, is, is, is probably very much in contrast to what Phil was discussing. It may have taken too darn long for the United States Congress and President to strike a deal for, for what they signed, you know, yesterday the little over nine hundred billion dollar phase four, phase five of COVID relief. Um, one of the and and that was disappointing. It just took too darn long. But, but its, mm-hmm. it's contrast with what happened in the spring is very stark. One of the best things that happened was the bipartisanship and the rapid action that we saw to pass the CARES Act in late March 2020, as the COVID-19 crisis was fully emerging, a bipartisan effort within a couple of weeks unleashed over $2 trillion, the largest single fiscal relief or aid package from the U.S. federal government in history. Uh, it was inspiring, actually, that bipartisanship could even happen. Uh, again, the second act was disappointing, and still described. But the CARES Act was huge. It allowed the Fed to set up programs that supported deeply stressed and dysfunctional financial markets, including both corporates and muni bonds, for the very first time. Uh, it also was a wide-ranging fiscal measure, including money for small businesses, for individuals, for suddenly dormant airports and airlines, uh, for state and local governments. It really spanned over many facets of the economy that had been profoundly and negatively affected by the pandemic. So the CARES Act, uh, was a real highlight. Again, the second act, <laughs> which just got signed yesterday, took too darn long, probably was too small, and left out uh, some key components that maybe they'll be picked up in 2021. In terms mm-hmm. of the worst yeah. thing, the malfunctioning of markets, the fixed income markets in particular, were extraordinarily stressed in March. There was a massive and record-sized flight to quality and flight to cash on certain days in March, long-term Treasury yields were going up, which is not normal. Uh, and the reason was if people wanted cash. They wanted money in the bank. They wanted money in bills. They didn't want 30-year uh, Treasury bonds. Uh, and the markets themselves were gapping in huge increments, with Treasuries largely posting positive returns with some strange days along the way, but everything else posting deeply negative returns and gapping higher in yields, lower in price very rapidly in disorderly markets. The securities dealers were overwhelmed. Uh, And it showed the stresses and the strains of our financial marketplace, where in many cases, the scale of the investors, whether they be mutual funds, hedge funds, endowments, whatever, can actually dwarf the scale of the market making in between and necessitated bold action from the Federal Reserve, which was
0: supported mm-hmm. by the
2: CARES Act, and ultimately did, in fact, emerge. But that was a very difficult Gosh, uh, and eye-opening time.
0: Yeah, 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 RJ, it just it just kind of reminds us that we, we went up against the abyss probably a few times in 2020, and good riddance. Let's now look ahead to 2021 and start again with you, RJ. Now, we've got a few major market movers to look forward to in the upcoming year. Widespread vaccinations, as Phil has outlined, and a new president here in the U.S. among them. What, RJ, is your overall outlook for 2021?
2: Well, in terms of uh, economic growth, we think that the recovery, which got underway with a, a very large, albeit still partial, uh, bounce from the economic abyss of the second quarter. Um, we think Q4, an uh, economic expansion is already underway. Q3, it was a massive bounce, albeit partial. And we think in 2021, it will persist. Uh, Phil and I participate on the Federated Macro Committee, Phil so is the chair um we're relatively optimistic with growth uh, expected to be uh, north of consensus i'll probably let phil fill in those numbers and see chairs that committee uh, in a world like that focusing on fixed income we feel that prospective returns for high quality sovereign bonds you know treasuries or bonds it's, it's relatively poor yields are not far from record lows in the u.s and much of the developed world in the case of german bonds they're negative um and so for treasuries and bonds, you, you just can't expect to make much money. So within a fixed income portfolio, our base case is uh, expecting yields to, to edge higher and the way to make money, the way to outperform the, the otherwise poor returns of high quality fixed income is to take credit risk. We think credit risk is the way uh, to, to generate the best relative return of fixed income in, in an ongoing economic expansion that 2021 will probably produce as the U.S. economy benefits from the vaccination uh, and the Mm -hmm. continued fiscal and the monetary policy expansion.
0: So, Phil, what do you say? RJ thinks we should take on credit risk. That's how bullish for stocks. What's our outlook for the equity market next year?
1: In a word, you've you've, uh, hit the nail on the head when it's bullish. Now, you look at the equity Mm -hmm. market this year from the bottom of the market in March to the record high we hit just the other day. The S and P 500 is up seventy percent, seven zero percent. So, spoiler alert: um, we are not going to see another seventy percent rally next year. Um, but we do think we can see a twenty to twenty five percent rally. You know, the markets at about the thirty seven hundred level right now. We think we could be up at the forty five hundred level by the end of calendar twenty twenty one. That's pretty good. As R J alluded to. Uh, our GDP forecast for next year is is constructive. We've got a 4.5% growth rate. Now that seems like a big number, but the Federal Reserve, uh, at their FOMC meeting last week, is, embedded in their SCP, their summary of economic projections, they're now looking at a 4.2% uh, rate of GDP growth for the full year. So whether you're federated or the Federal Reserve, next year is going to be an above-trend year. As you sort of dig into that, you know, you talked about, Linda, the aggressive backing rollout over the course of the year. It started this month, and, and it's going to play out over the course of next year. That's positive. You talked about the fact that we've got a new president. So all of the divisiveness and the uncertainty regarding the election come January 20th, all of that will be behind us. So that's that's great. Um, the new Congress, the new president, you know, maybe there'll be some more fiscal stimulus or some more infrastructure spending next year. That's possible. Um, you look at the year to year comparisons. GDP growth first half of this year were negative. Corporate earnings, the first three quarters of this year were negative. So the year over year comparisons in, in calendar 21 versus calendar 20 are going to be very easy. And, and finally, you know, sort of delving back into, into RJ's world, uh, Chair Powell of the Federal Reserve had promised us that we're going to stay zero bound with the funds rate, you know, through the end of calendar 23. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I, I think we're, we're likely to stay unchanged over the course of calendar 21. And, and that sets you up in a TINA environment. There is no alternative. If interest rates are zero, we're going to get your returns from I think you've got to get your returns from the equity market, and, and I think the fundamentals suggest that, that we're going to have a pretty good year next year.
0: I think you're saying in so many words what I have been saying all year long, uh, together with, uh, with our other friends here at Federated Hermes, it's dangerous to be a bear, and that $4,500 maybe raising eyebrows, but not if the earnings rise as, uh, as much as we think they very well may do. With the booming economy next year. I think we have time to fit just one more question in, gentlemen. And that would be to look at your top three things that you would be watching for next year. You could be talking trends that will start to uh, pick up steam and become big, maybe sectors that you like or events that may have a major impact on the market. So, um, let's, let's, uh, see what you th- think about that, RJ. What are the three things that you want to, uh, that you will be watching?
2: Uh, first would be the, the direction of, of U.S. Treasury yields. Looking at the ten-year Treasury yield, the benchmark, for instance, we expect it to, to end the year probably right around one and a quarter. Um, that's a manageable backup, uh, you know, from where we are right now in the low 90s. I don't think that's a taper tantrum or any other sort of market dislocation that generates too much fear. But we got to watch that carefully. If, uh, if, in fact, there are unforeseen complications in distributing vaccines or they're not as effective as we think they will be, then that'll be an economic challenge and it'll keep rates lower. Conversely, if inflation starts to pick up and huge treasury issuance drives, it could drive Treasury yields a little bit higher than that. So watching the 10 year is key. We think it'll be a relatively manageable risk, albeit one that will be heading higher. Uh, second key thing uh, is the credit dynamics. We think spreads should keep tightening and as I mentioned previously we're overweight corporate uh, investment grade and high yield bonds uh key focus for a bond investor. As as Phil mentioned, when treasury yields are as low as they are, you can't have a high quality fixed income portfolio and expect to get much return. So within the fixed income place uh space, uh taking credit risk is key and we're keeping a keen eye on the direction of corporate profitability and spreads. And then lastly the Fed. Um you know the simple fact of the matter is the Fed under Powell is committed to being as highly accommodative as I would suggest the institution has ever been. And I don't think that's an overstatement. Um, and as such, it's possible if Treasury yields start rising too fast, say the 10 year starts going above 125, 140, 150, we could actually get the Fed uh, becoming yet again more innovative and trying to employ some form of what we would call yield curve control, uh, either targeting a level of rates or substantially altering their asset purchases to drive rates back. So we keep a close eye on the Fed and see when they, if they in fact get off the sidelines uh, with respect to their current standards, right now they're buying a lot of bonds. They could turn that up if they think yields are rising too far too fast.
0: Okay, strap ourselves in for next year. What do you think, our, our Phil, excuse me, Phil, for next year? Three things.
1: So first uh, issue, uh, I guess, does the equity market rotation, does it have legs? You know, we made a big call back in the middle of August. Uh, the S&P 500, large cap growth stocks, technology had a big move. We cut those back to neutral, and, and added dollars into the laggard categories, domestic large-cap value, small-cap, and international. We felt that with the economy out of recession, the catalyst to get earnings and revenues going again, the market would start to narrow the gap between those three categories and domestic large-cap growth, which had really done well. Well, that that rotation worked in between, say, Labor Day and now. So the question is, does that rotation have legs into calendar 21? We think it does. We'll have to see. The second issue, I think, is Washington. We've got these two runoffs, these Senate runoffs in Georgia on January 5th. And, and you know, not to overstate this, but they will determine the balance of power in Washington, whether or not we have divided <laughs> government or whether or not we have this blue wave. And that will determine things like fiscal policy and additional fiscal stimulus so we're going to be watching that pretty closely. And then I guess finally, there are some bearish prognosticators out there that think we're looking at a double dip, that, that because of the timing of the passage and the size of this phase four fiscal stimulus plan and uh, the rollout of the vaccine, et cetera, that the next couple of quarters they think could be negative. We disagree. Uh, we think that as mm-hmm. we, uh, inoculate people at a pace of about 25 million a month, starting this month, um, we, we're going to get to herd immunity by the middle of next year. And, and we think that allows people to sort of get back to, you know, living a normal life, traveling, going to restaurants. And that will actually strengthen the economy in the back half of the year, not weaken it. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we want to see is that forecast prove accurate? Double dip or no double dip?
0: Well, gosh, excellent. As exciting as 2020 was in a negative way, fingers crossed, 21 will be exciting and we'll, we'll all be very happy for it. So, thank you so very much, Phil and RJ, and thank you to our listeners. We look forward to you joining us again on the Federated Hermes Here and Now podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we invite you to subscribe to the Federated Hermes channel to get every Here and Now episode, plus our other series, Amplified and fundamental for a global perspective on the issues challenges and trends shaping the investment landscape views are as of december 22, 2020 and are subject to change based on market conditions and other factors these views should not be construed as a recommendation for any specific security or sector bond prices are sensitive to changes in interest rates and a rise in interest rates can cause a decline in their prices The value of equity securities will rise and fall. These fluctuations could be a sustained trend or a drastic movement. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Federated Advisory Services Company.